welcome tonight. I really appreciate uh, that you could make it on a Tuesday night. My name is Jason Trimmel. I work in the Athlete Leadership Department at Special Olympics Maryland. And tonight we're going to kick off the inaugural Voices of Champions talks, uh, kind of TED-style brief talks. We've capped it at five minutes per speaker. Uh, we have eight uh, athletes from around the country uh, joining us, so we're really thrilled to have them. Uh, and we're thrilled to uh, thrilled to to have you here tonight and joining us. So, um, in the 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 importance of of these talks, or or maybe to give you a little bit of background, in Maryland we started these talks uh, to keep our skills uh, in in practice. So uh, while we're waiting for things to resume in whatever stage, as we get closer and closer to sports. Uh, it is important that athlete leaders uh, continue to um, continue to keep their skills sharp. So we've been practicing speech writing uh, around topics and then presenting. Uh, and so it just made sense that then we offer this opportunity uh, to other programs to get a diverse view of uh, of topics and of individuals. Uh, and so that's how we got here at this moment. Uh, and so rather than take up a lot of time listening to me, you know, you're here to uh, listen to our speakers. So uh, first off, uh, I'd like to present uh, Jordan Schubert, Jordan is 27 years old, has been participating in Special Olympics for over 15 years. Uh, his two main sports are basketball and floor hockey, uh, but he has also previously participated in softball and soccer. He has won more than 60 medals in all four sports. In addition to his athletic success, Jordan has spent the past seven and a half years working for Special Olympics Pennsylvania as the manager of athlete leadership and young athletes. Outside of Special Olympics, Jordan is a proud graduate of Westchester University and loves trains, Star Wars, and cooking. So if you could take a time and welcome Jordan. Jordan, please take it away. All right. Thank you, Jason. Uh, and uh, thank you all for uh, listening in uh, tonight. Uh, and so uh, I'd like to talk about uh, my experience uh, in overcoming obstacles and gaining confidence in both myself and others uh, or, uh, inside and outside of Special Olympics. Being on the high end of the autism spectrum, uh, I've heard people question if I should be allowed to participate in Special Olympics. Since I was always in education classes in school, I didn't tell too many people that I participated in specifics. Having grown up in a Chicago suburb, I used to always tell people that I played on a travel basketball team in the city. In some ways, telling people I participated in Special Olympics was like telling them I had a disease. Uh, and during my early years of uh, participating, uh, particularly in elementary and middle school, I didn't really understand why I was participating in Special Olympics. It wasn't really until I was in high school that I fully understood my disability. And after spending most of my early years in uh, Special Olympics uh, participating through an independent agency, I then decided to high school's program. I went to Nequa Valley High School in Naperville, Illinois, which is uh, about an hour west of Chicago. Uh, and many schools uh, in Illinois offer uh, Special Olympics. However, NEQA has always been considered one of the strongest school-based programs in the state. And since I graduated, 
not only have they improved the quality of their traditional sports programming, but even more so with their unified sports and other areas that are a part of uh, Special Olympics Unified Schools program. Right before my freshman year, I decided to come out of my shell a little bit and let uh, other people know who I really was. Uh, like many other student athletes, I wore my uh, jersey to uh, school on game days. Uh, and classmates who I didn't think uh, I wanted to know that I participated in Special Olympics, they were amazed when I told them uh, who I really played basketball for. And one time, uh, we another time, we had a, an away game right after school ended. So I decided uh, to wear my entire uniform uh, to school that everybody was showing support or towards me that I never thought I'd ever receive. After my sophomore year, I earned an opportunity to become a reporter for my school's newscast, Wildcat Weekly, uh, where not only did I focus on local and national sports headlines, but also highlighting my team's accomplishments. And in addition to interviewing my coach, uh, it also felt great to show actual game footage of, to my class teachers and show that we played just as hard as any other sports teams at my school. And also just like any other student athlete, at the end of the season, I earned a varsity and I value those letters the same as I value my medals. Throughout my four years of high school, I had more people uh, be accepting of me and seeing for me, seeing me for what I could do rather than I couldn't. I was also interviewed by another talented athlete leader in Illinois uh, on uh, one of his first podcasts called The Special Chronicles. Uh, I don't want to give away too much since I think he might be talking uh, later on. Uh, uh, but, and then I was also uh, featured uh, in uh, the front page of uh, one of the local newspapers. When I uh, graduated from high school, uh, I had no problem in telling him that I participated in Special Olympics. And so eventually I moved to Pennsylvania and not only did I continue participating in Special Olympics? I also decided to make it my full-time career when I uh, was hired by Special Olympics Pennsylvania. And everywhere I go, I'm proud to show off uh, that I participate uh, in Special Olympics, uh, especially with my current basketball team. Uh, you know, after a tournament, we'd always go on pizza, and my teammates and I would proudly show our medals uh, at the restaurant. As a competitor in Special Olympics, I've won over 60 medals uh, in four different sports. Uh, most of them come basketball, uh, but uh, something even, I'm even more proud of is uh, having uh, also trained hundreds of my peers to take on greater leadership roles within the organization. Uh, and I'm also slowly developing opportunities for the next generation of great Special Olympics athletes to get started at a very early age through our Young Athletes program. Every day, uh, the stigma uh, of people with intellectual disabilities not being able to do normal things is slowly fading away. And no athlete should ever have to question if they belong in Special Olympics. Instead, they should be asking, uh, how can Special Olympics motivate and become a champion in the real world? I graduated from high school and college with three-point GP with very little support. And as Jason said, I've been by Special Olympics Pennsylvania for seven and a half years, uh, and I've been working in total for almost nine. Uh, like many of you on the call, uh, I'm uh, hoping to be able to compete at next year's USA Games in Orlando. However, even if I never make it to USA or World Games, 
knowing the impact I'm making on athletes of all ages and abilities throughout PA and uh, for, from what I could tell, maybe even beyond, that's the biggest victory of all. All right. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> nice job. Good, strong opening. Good to have you with us. Nice that PA is represented. Uh, and I know I've worked with Jordan and uh, especially hard worker and uh, likes to move the movement forward. So uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have him here tonight. Uh, thanks, Jordan. Uh, let's see. All right, so next up. All right, so our next speaker is Daniel Smorkowski, uh, an award-winning and veteran podcaster, columnist, and an acclaimed advocate, telling disability stories on the groundbreaking platform SpecialChronicles.com. Serves as an ambassador for Com and United Airlines. In addition, Daniel is a Sergeant Shriver International Global Messenger with Special Olympics. Daniel creates podcasts, videos, blogs, columns, and public speaking to give respect and voice to people with special needs. Daniel educates and informs our community that those with different abilities bring unconditional love and joy every day. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Smarkowski. I'm Daniel Smarkowski, and I'm from Special Olympics, Illinois part of our Special Olympics North America region. I live in the suburbs of Chicago, and I'm honored to be speaking with you today about how our Special Olympics movement is all about love. Special Olympics brings love to everyone we meet. I'd like to share with you why I believe that. First time I thought of the whole idea of loving was the summer of 2018. It was the 50th anniversary of global celebrations in Chicago. So many people from all over the world gave so much of themselves to the celebration. On two midsummer evenings, many buildings lit up red for inclusion. A symbol not just for inclusion, but also for love. One of the buildings was the famous Opera House in Sydney, Australia. A few other buildings were Nelson Mandela statue in South Africa, the Water Cube in China, and the Emirates Palace in Abu Dhabi. So many volunteers, staff, and fellow athletes gave so much of their time in love and support of Cohen athletes, but also remembering with love and appreciativeness the history of Eunice Kennedy Shiro and the Special Olympics movement. One example I myself witnessed was a young woman with Down syndrome from Panama. She and I were talking on the bus. She was putting in a lot of effort to speak English, even though 
Spanish was a false language. For this 50th celebration, she came all the way from Panama. This showed the unconditional love that Special Olympics community all over the world brings to the movement. Countries come together for love or for war. But hate can be met by love. We Special Olympics athletes show love when we are met with hate. That's exactly the way I have always been. No matter what, when people say bad stuff about me and my friends, I smile, I listen, and I stay happy and joyful when interacting with them. That's what I've always shown. Special Olympics brings out the best in every person. Special Olympics brings out the best in not just every athlete, but every coach, volunteer, staff, every family member, law enforcement participant, and every sponsor. As my mom likes to say, if all the world were like Special Olympics, then there would be no woes. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Excellent. Really appreciate your time. Nice world view of Special Love replaces hate. I think that's a great sentiment these days. Appreciate you sharing that. All right. So let us go to our next speaker. All right. Our next speaker is Elena Camacho from Special Olympics Maryland. Elena shared with me that Special Olympics Maryland to me is a family. I compete in swimming, snowshoe, golf, soccer, bowling, and basketball. I love inspiring my fellow athletes to make their goals and dreams a reality. I'm the first woman LETR liaison for SOMD Athlete Ambassador. And my goal is to become a Sergeant Shriver Global Messenger. Well, Elena, you are amongst Mm -hmm. some of them tonight. (laughs) So let me hand this over to you, everybody. Elena Camacho. Thank you, Jason. When the COVID-19 pandemic first hit, did you question yourselves? How will I adjust and adapt every aspect of my life? Hello, my name is Elena Camacho. I am a Special Olympics athlete from Arundel County, and I'm currently participating in soccer and golf. There are many barriers of communicating and understanding between people with an intellectual disability and first responders. How will we work together to better communicate and understanding between people with intellectual and cognitive disabilities and members of law enforcement and emergency medical services? Since the fall of 2018, I've been working with Loyola University Howard Campus, Best Buddies Maryland, 
the Maryland Department of Disabilities, and the Ethan Thaler Alliance as a self-educated ambassador. This program consists of myself and 12 fellow participants, each of us of varying IDDs and communication abilities. We participate in a variety of role-playing scenarios to give police officers and EMS members an idea of what to expect and the proper techniques of when responding to a 911 call involving an individual or a group of people with an intellectual disability. These scenarios include a missing group home resident, a stolen wallet, self-harm or harm to another, and being home alone and experiencing severe pain. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, we found ourselves asking, how will we persevere with these training scenarios? The answer is, we transitioned from in-person training to virtual trainings on Zoom. I'm sure many of you found you can relate to struggling with having to adjust and adapt to the virtual realm in everyday aspects of life, such as work, education, and social lives. There was both pros and cons as to how we would persevere. The pros are, we don't have to set aside time for traveling. Don't have to worry about conducting training socially distanced. And we can have smaller training sessions. The cons are, many ambassadors have never used Zoom before. It is hard to properly portray potential situations without physical contact. Working around everyone's schedules with work and online schooling. This past winter, we trained five more advocates. We are expanding the curriculum with four additional scenarios in both police and EMS. This April, I will be participating in a national Zoom training with EMS members. I believe that pandemic or no pandemic, that these trainings are important because I believe it is important to be an advocate for individuals with an IDD and first responders because I feel it is paramount that our first responders know how to properly interact and communicate when responding to calls involving people with an IDD and remaining safe at the same time. When the pandemic is over, I hope that my self-educated ambassador training can return to normal. My challenge for you is to think of one way of how we can improve communication and understanding between people with an intellectual disability and our members of law enforcement and EMS. Thank you for letting me share my story of adjusting and adapting with you. Thank you, Elena. Thanks for sharing uh, all the all the good work you're doing in Maryland with uh, Loyola University and uh, and uh, Department of Disabilities and um, 
uh, best buddies. So excellent. Uh, thank. So now we will go to. All right. So up next is Bruce Clark. Uh, Bruce is an athlete leadership coordinator with Special Olympics Texas, where he has worked for 16 months. Prior to moving to Austin, uh, Texas, uh, Bruce worked with Special Olympics Arizona for six and a half years in the same role. In addition to working for Special Olympics, he is an athlete as well as he has played basketball for the past five years and participated in a bocce and softball in Arizona and is looking forward to playing softball in Texas this fall. Bruce has also sat on the United States Athlete Input Council for the last five years and is now the vice chair of the athlete committee under Ken Melvin, who is the chair. The USAIC is responsible for bringing the voice of the athletes to Special Mix International and Special Mix North America. Bruce is an at-large member of this group, and they meet via conference call once every month and usually have one person in-person meeting every year. In his free time, Bruce enjoys watching sports and cheering for his hometown baseball team, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and his lifelong Green Bay and is a lifelong Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, everybody, I present to you Bruce Clark. Good evening, everyone. My name is Bruce Clark, and I am currently an athlete and staff member with Special Olympic Texas. I am in charge of all of our athlete leadership in throughout the state of Texas. Before I moved out to Texas in January of 2019, I was employed by Special Olympics Arizona for six and a half years. I was also an athlete there for four of those six and a half years. In Arizona, I participated in bocce, basketball, volleyball, and softball. So far in Texas, I have only played basketball, but I am looking forward to playing a new sport here in Texas, soccer, once we open um, back up again. This evening, I would like to talk with you briefly about two topics that are very important to me and that I think are very are also very important to other Special Olympics athletes across the world. My first topic is the value of employment or being in the workforce as a Special Olympics athlete. I think if you ask people around the world if they felt like a Special Olympics athlete or any person with developmental or physical challenges could work a 40-hour week job. I believe that probably more than 50% of the time, the answer you would get is no. Special Olympics athletes cannot work a 40-hour a week job, say those 50% of people. They just don't have the mental or physical capacity to work that many hours in a week, or even hold sustainable employment for that matter. Our Special Olympics athletes' abilities on and off the playing field (coughs) have been doubted by the quote-unquote normal people of this world their entire lives. Our athletes have always had to prove themselves and that is only magnified when, it, when our athletes grow up and enter the workforce. I have worked for Special Olympics for eight and a half years, and several of our other presenters tonight 
are also employed by their state Special Olympic programs as well. I am here to tell you tonight <coughs> that our athletes can do anything that they put in their minds to, and that includes holding a 40-hour a week, 40 plus hour a week job. They just need to be placed in the right place of employment and given the right tools and sometimes accommodations to be successful. What I can tell you about Special Olympics athlete I have ever met is that they put their whole heart and soul and every ounce of energy into into being successful at anything that they do, and that is on or off the playing field. Our athletes deserve the chance to prove those people who have doubted their abilities their their whole lives wrong. A, a program that I created for our athletes in Arizona that I'm trying to get started here in Texas is an athlete employment training program where Special Olympics athletes get trained on how to write a resume, interview skills, professional behavior in the workplace, social media in the workplace, and, and chain of command in the workplace. With this training and the right job and group of coworkers, I guarantee you our athletes will be successful. Um, I'm gonna skip the statistics just because of time. But um, there is one, also one other aspect of our Special Olympics athletes that I would like to talk with you briefly about for the next couple of minutes. And it ties in nicely to the aspect. That is the confidence that our athletes build within themselves when they achieve a goal that they have set out to achieve. Athletes obtaining a job and meeting goals or finishing tasks within that job helps our athletes to build confidence in their abilities and encourage them to share the, the story of their involvement with Special Olympics. Also in the workplace, athletes build relationships with their coworkers and can build lifelong friendships with a group of people who believe in their abilities because they have seen what our athletes can accomplish in the workplace. Our athletes have been told their entire lives that they can't do something, maybe it will be too difficult for them. Obtaining, obtaining a job and accomplishing tasks and meeting goals on that job helps to build the confidence of our athletes. In conclusion, I want to encourage all of us involved in Special Olympics activities, um, whether you're a staff member, an athlete, a volunteer, uh, whatever role you play within Special Olympics, to always push our athletes toward greatness and never try to hold them back from attaining that greatness. I truly believe that Special Olympics athletes have the power to change the world, the world that we live in for the better. Our athletes can change the world that we live in by just, by just bringing their positive attitude and showing the world a resilience to never give up that we see every time they step on the playing field or even overcome an obstacle in life.
Thank you, Bruce. Excellent job. We really appreciate you talking about a very important topic around employment and uh, and skill sets and a part of the kind of your training program. I know part of the athlete leadership training program and the new curriculum that's come out has talked about employment skills uh, that are applicable as well. So I think really a relevant topic. All right. So our next speaker is, if I can get it right here. All right, is our next speaker is from, hailing from Special Olympics, Maryland, uh, Adam Hayes, 36-year-old man who has competed for 25 years uh, in Special Olympics and currently competes in five sports. Cycling and soccer are his favorite. He also is an athlete leader taking on roles such as the current Special Olympics, Maryland Athlete Leadership Council Chair, former law enforcement torture ambassador and co-creator of an athlete-led media team, Maryland Media in Motion. He currently is employed at Special Olympics Maryland as a digital and multimedia coordinator in the athlete leadership department. A memorable moment for Adam was standing on the Acropolis in Athens, Greece, where he helped carry the flame of hope before departing as a final leg torchbearer for the 2011 Special Olympics World Summer Games in Greece. In his off time, Adam rides his bike over 1,500 miles a year and in 2020 really raised his game and rode 2,025 miles around the area. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Adam Hayes. Thanks, Jason. Good evening. Before I begin, let me pose this question to you. Have you ever wondered uh, what our future is going to be like? I mean, far future. Think uh, the Jetsons. With all the technology and advancements that have been made in the last 50 years, it has me dreaming of things that can uh, help myself and others like me move through life, eating and overcoming disability. Astrophysicist and planetary scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson said it best, dreams about the future are always filled with gadgets. Here are some ideas I think would help people with intellectual disabilities strive like me if uh, we had uh, these items in uh, the future. Let's start out with, uh, with uh, something simple. This is a cool idea I got from the popular movie trilogy, Back to the Future. I have two extremely different sized feet, 14 on the left and 11 on the right. It makes it really difficult to find shoes. So this is where I thought, how about a shoe that will automatically fit your foot as soon as you put it on? It would eliminate the need to, one, tie your shoes, and two, find a shoe that fits your feet. Speaking of feet, rather than walking, how about getting around town or traveling to a faraway job? Transportation is extremely tough for a lot of people with intellectual disabilities. For some, they may not have access to a car, 
relying on public transportation or other family and friends uh, to get around. I live 60 miles away from um, from my job and usually need help from uh, people I know to get me back and forth because I can't drive on the highways. So this is where I thought, ever wish you could uh, instantly get from place to place, no car need it, maybe a teleport device, one like you see in Star Trek. It might tingle, but it would be a really cool way uh, that would help get to a job, get groceries, visit family and friends, and much more. Speaking of groceries, cooking can be a a challenge for anyone. Uh, But wouldn't it be cool if we had a robot like you see in, uh, in the Robin Williams movie, Bicentennial Man? They can uh, be your friend to comfort you, help you cook, and much more. That's slowly becoming a reality, even now. But I can't wait for the day that someone more bionic than me can help uh, teach me how to cook outside of my own parents. Speaking of bionic, did you know I could pass as a $6 million man? Sometimes even more than that. I mean, I mean that literally, with all the technology that has been put in, in me. I have a condition uh, that ancient Greeks called water on the brain, but in the future, we call it hydrocephalus. So how does that make me, uh, me uh, Special Olympics coolest humanoid robot? I have three shunts in my body, tubing draining uh, the fluid Uh, from my brain to my stomach, averaging 45 feet between all the tubing in me. Medical advancements uh, have come a long way since uh, 2,500 years uh, ago, since the days of uh, Hippocrates, the father of medicine. Now, you can even talk to your own doctors through video conferencing applications and get a diagnosis or advice right on the screen. By the way, with apps on your phone, there should be something to help uh, your memory. No, I'm not just talking about uh, dictionaries or games that help improve memory function, but an app that can help you remember words uh, you lose in conversation right on your phone. Imagine uh, an app Uh, that could uh, instantly suggest an idea of words as it listens to you while you're talking. When you get lost in what you uh, were talking about mid-conversation. And then, boom, it gives you uh, a couple of words you were trying to think of. I have this problem a lot, and it gets extremely frustrating. And that would be an amazing thing to have. There are so many uh, different uh, ideas that could be used to help uh, make life easier for people with intellectual disabilities. With these tech ha- with these tech hacks, uh, people with disabilities uh, can uh, bring a uh, bring a world of inclusion for everyone. It will help uh, everyone achieve and show uh, the opportunity we dream of having can be achieved.
all of this uh, through future technology and applications that can help people like you or me. Accessible technology and services are important for people with intellectual disabilities. Dreams like these can help us achieve more and, con and be contributing members of society. So here's my call out to all the inventors out there. Where are you at, Elon Musk? Whenever you uh, think of uh, something revolutionary, don't forget about uh, those with intellectual and physical disabilities. When you include us in your thinking, you are making a world where opportunity is not limited by disability, where everyone is together in this inclusion revolution, where no one is left behind just because of who they are, where life hacks are used to move us in the future of greatness together. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Excellent. Uh, I would like, can I pre-order uh, a robot or two? Would that be? <laughs> <laughs> Could use some help cooking and, and, and self-driving. That would be yeah. great. So. Right on it. <laughs> so, thank you, Adam, for that, uh, that glimpse into the future. I look forward to, uh, to seeing that come true. So, <laughs> all right. So next up, I'd like to welcome uh, Mary Ellen Powers. Mary Ellen is a Special Olympics athlete and global messenger from Rhode Island. She is 38 years old and has a mild form of Down syndrome called Mosaic Down syndrome. She works for Special Olympics Rhode Island full-time as the administrative assistant. Mary Ellen is an athlete representative on the U.S. Athlete Leadership Committee, and she serves as an at-large member of the U.S. Athlete Input Council. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary Ellen Powers. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Mary Ellen Powers. I am a Special Olympics athlete and a global messenger. I come from a big, loving family, and I live in a small town of Barrington, Rhode Island. When I was a teenager, especially in middle school, I struggled a lot with acceptance and trying to fit in with my peers. Some friends walked out of my life. Some just pretended to be my friends. And as some of my real friends started to date, I was bullied by some mean boys who called me fat, ugly, and retarded. I lost a great deal of self-confidence. I became quiet, shy, and I was afraid to stand up for myself. In 1999, I attended a Special Olympics bowling practice with a friend, and my life changed from that moment on. I was hooked. In fact, one of the first friends I met is one of my best friends today. I compete in unified bowling, swimming, and unified sailing. In my 22 years of competition, I have become a stronger athlete, especially over the last few years. My determination and my dedication to my sports have grown even stronger. I even set personal goals for myself when I compete. I reached a big personal goal in swimming a couple of years ago at our state summer games. I felt on top of the world when I accomplished my goals. Bringing home a gold medal and coincidentally during the 50th anniversary of Special Olympics felt like the icing on the cake. And it was a proud moment I will always remember. When I was a young teenager in middle school, my least favorite thing in gym class was running laps. I hated it. I was overweight and I would get short of breath easily. It was not easy for me at all and I wanted to give up. In the summer before going into eighth grade, I had surgery to correct my severe scoliosis. 
And once I recovered from that surgery, I was excused from gym class for the rest of my school life. This past year, I decided to do my impossible for one of my sports in our virtual state summer games. I practiced hard and trained in our virtual fitness classes. I practiced around my neighborhood and I successfully ran the 50 meter dash. Although I wasn't racing against anyone because of the pandemic, in a way I was. I was racing against myself, that 13 year old girl who could barely finish those laps. I did not give up. I had a determination, the drive and the confidence that I could accomplish my most challenging sport and that was one of my greatest moments as a Special Olympics athlete. When I learned about athlete leadership opportunities, I thought it would help me continue to build up my self-confidence. I went through Global Messenger and athlete leadership trainings. I was a nervous wreck the first time I gave a speech. My voice has grown and gotten stronger over the years. I have even stood up against the hurtful use of the word retarded. I spoke at the 2010 Global Congress in Morocco and I emceed a VIP reception at the 50th anniversary celebrations in Chicago a couple of years ago as a 50th anniversary messenger. I have come a long way over the years. I have served on local committees for Special Mixed Rhode Island as an athlete representative. I am an athlete representative on the Special Olympics North America Athlete Leadership Committee, and I'm an at-large member of the United States Athlete Input Council. I feel my experiences in athlete leadership have also helped me work towards my dream, my dream job. I am currently living that dream, working full-time for Special Olympics Rhode Island as the administrative assistant. I'm a co-host on Special Olympics Rhode Island Magazine, which is a television show that's made up of Special Olympics Rhode Island athletes. I've had some incredible experiences through the show, and I have traveled to the World Games in Ireland and Japan, and I've even interviewed a few celebrities over the years. My favorite interview ever was with Eunice Kennedy Schreiber. From the athletes to the volunteers, and even my coworkers at Special Olympics Rhode Island, I have gained many friends over the years. I even met my boyfriend of over 11 years on the set of Special Olympics Rhode Island magazine. I've overcome so many obstacles in my life. There are no words to describe how thankful I am for what Special Olympics has done for me and how it has affected my life. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Ellen. What a that's a great story. Um, just what a what a journey to where you are now, and and I know how generous you were with your time and your talents when uh, Adam and I were with you in Ireland, and you shared all your secrets to being in the media. We really appreciated that. So thank you for everything. Thank you. All right. All right next up. Next up, Special Olympics Southern California athlete Dustin Plunkett has been active in Special Olympics for more than 21 years. He has thrived as both an athlete and a public speaker. No small task for a young man with a speech impediment and a cleft palate in addition to his intellectual disability. Dustin has risen to the highest ranks of athlete leadership as an international global messenger where he has had the opportunity to travel the world. One of his fondest memories was sharing the stage with Yao Ming at the World Games in Shanghai. 
Plunkett relishes each opportunity he can get to reach people and share his own story of success over adversity in order to inspire others to do the same. Special Olympics has empowered him to take control of his own life. He was a member of the board of directors for the LA 2015 Games, as well as a member of the GOC, or the Games Organizing Committee for LA 2015. During the 2015 and 2017 World Games, he served as an ESPN analyst, calling the Parade of Athletes live on ESPN during the opening ceremonies. Today, Dustin works for Special Olympics Southern California as a manager of outreach and inspirational speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, Dustin Plunkett. Thank you, Jason, for that great introduction. And I, what I'm, we'll be talking about is overcoming obstacles. And you heard from Mary Ellen in her last speech how she overcome some obstacles, and that's obstacles of herself and everything. And I'm going to go in a little bit more about overcoming obstacles to help you achieve your goals and two words you can use to prove others wrong. But let's go over the meaning of overcoming obstacles. Overcoming obstacles means that you can work through a challenge in order to achieve a goal. And right now, I bet you're asking yourself, what are those challenges? And the challenges I'm going to talk about today is people using or putting labels on themselves or others. I know we all grew up and we are told and others told us that, hey, Dustin, you can't do that. Or, hey, Daniel, I don't think you can do that. And we're doing it. But the one thing that really showed this light coming true, where I learned that not only do people put labels on us, but we put them on ourselves as well. I had a great story to tell you guys from when I was working on the World Games in 2015. I was hired first in January 2014, working on the World Games. And it took about a year later before they hired the second athlete uh, to be on the staff with intellectual disabilities. And I noticed the first six months of her, or first three months that she was on the job, I was being treated differently than she was. I would always get the invite to go out and have coffee or go to a morning event with my colleagues or I would get the invite to go out to lunch with my colleagues and hang out with them or go have a drink after work and everything. And just spending more time connecting with my colleagues and being part of a family working environment, which every special mix office is like. So I took it upon myself to go talk with the athlete's supervisor. And I and asked the supervisor, I'm like, why am I being treated different than Kaylee? And she honestly said, Dustin, it's going to take a while to talk about it all. Let's go ahead and go out to lunch next week. And while I'm having lunch with her, she goes on to tell me that Kaylee put labels on herself, saying that I don't feel comfortable doing that or I don't want to do that. And I don't feel comfortable in that environment. And it's like going, oh, my God, we need to teach our athletes not to put labels on themselves. Because the more labels you put on yourselves, the more obstacles that you'll have around you. And it'll be harder and harder to overcome them. So be very careful on how you present yourself to people so those labels don't get placed on you. 
And I'm glad that I took it upon myself to go ask Kaylee, the asking supervisor, hey, how come Kaylee's not being treated the same way I am? But one thing that I really learned about is I was a guest trainer for athlete leadership training in Florida before I was hired on with the World Games. And we are doing athlete leadership 101. And if you are an athlete leader, you know one of the sessions in that course is roadblocks and barriers. And I thought with the other trainers going, hey, this session, I want to do it all by myself because I have a game plan to do the roadblocks and barriers. And it just hit me in that moment while I'm training, talking about roadblocks, barriers, obstacles, anything that comes in our way as athlete leaders and in our own personal growth. I told the athletes and during one of the skits that we were trying to do is I wanted to become a volunteer for one of the events. And the staff person I was trying to pitch on this just shot me down, shot me down, shot me down. And finally, I'm just like, watch me. And right when I said those words, I'm just like, there's the answer for every single athlete. If we're facing obstacles, if we're facing labels, if we're facing whatever it is from achieving our goal, let these two words be the two words that you take away from the speech. Watch me. You tell people who say, oh, you can't do that? Watch me. And you go out there and you prove them wrong. And I'm glad that I did this training before I worked in the World Games because when it was announced to other staff people there at the World Games that Dustin will be the uniform coordinator and design all the uniforms for all the volunteers, one person stood up and go, Dustin can't do that. Well, guess what? Watch me. I did. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, Dustin. I think those are great two words to uh, to use uh, when confronted with other people's labels, right? Uh, excellent. Really appreciate you sharing your story and your experience with us. And that brings us to, let's see, our last speaker of the evening. Hannah Joy Atkinson is a Special Olympics Colorado athlete in skiing and cycling and is an active health messenger promoting fitness and healthy cooking. She is honored to represent all Special Olympics athletes as a Sergeant Schreiber International Global Messenger. She is determined to inspire joy and acceptance while empowering others to be their best selves through speaking engagements, videos, writing articles, and embracing life fully. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Hannah Atkinson. Thank you, Jason, and uh, welcome, everybody. So my speech is about kindness and justice. So this is the question I ask myself when I woke up this morning. What message would I like to share? The answer came to me pretty quickly. I wanted to talk about kindness and justice because they are related to each other. We will practice together kindness and justice can help make a positive impact in this world. I believe kindness is both an attitude and an action. As an attitude, kindness comes from your heart when you truly believe in the value of others. As you do that, your heart softens toward those who are different than you all. Action follows. As an action, kindness means 
making a connection with someone. That could be a smile, a kind word, a card, a conversation. Think about the acts of kindness that, that you have received. Those are the actions you want to pass on to others. Kindness starts by being kind to yourself. Take care of yourself. Sleep well. Tell yourself that you are powerful, that your voice matters, that God created you for a purpose. Be patient with yourself, and when you need to, forgive yourself. Now take the message of kindness and spread it to others. Tell them they are strong, powerful, and created for a great purpose. Really listen to them. Ask follow-up questions. Show care with no judgment. Practicing kindness reminds someone that we all we value them. Think of the people who are important in your life. When you are happy, you when they are happy, you are happy. When they hold your heart with them. As we see value in others, we need the need to treat all people equally. This is what justice means. It's a desire for fairness, not just as a goal, but as a character trait. It means treating everyone the way that you would like to be treated, with respect and, yes, kindness. We all need to be aware of social justice, which is all about equality and dignity. It's heartbreaking when someone cannot see who you really are, but instead sees only a stereotype that limits you. I have Down syndrome. That stereotype for someone like me is that I will never be able to speak very well or learn much or hold a job or be good at sports and that we are always happy. Guess what? That is not me, except for the happy part. I'm just kidding. Like everyone who has Down syndrome, I experience a range of emotions, sometimes happy, sometimes sad, sometimes angry. This is who I really am. I am four foot nine inches tall, which is a fun size. I have given hundreds of speeches in places as far away as Abu Dhabi and Paris. I have walked at Olive Garden. I can cycle up to 67 miles in a day. I have conquered a black diamond ski once. I'm a person that cares about family, God, my community, and my coworkers. I care about bringing everyone together, and I care about Special Olympics. In 190 nations around the world, every athlete has a chance to be included to pursue their dreams. Every volunteer and donor has a chance to witness the capabilities that Special Olympics brings out in our athletes. It starts with kindness. That kindness turns into respect. That respect leads to dignity and justice. We do this as a team because all of us have something to offer. I see justice created in friendships among all people. That's why we call it the inclusion revolution because we all spread in joy, equality, and justice every day. As athletes, we are showing kindness to ourselves by eating healthy, training hard, and developing new skills. We are showing kindness to others by cheering them on. 
We all achieve injustice in our schools with programs like Unified Champion Schools and Special Olympics Health and in our communities where Special Olympics athletes are holding down meaningful jobs. We draw thousands of volunteers, supporters to our funds, and every single person gains a better sense of inclusion and justice can accomplish. We are part of a greater struggle in our, for justice in our world. Tim Scheifel recently said, today we are in solidarity with our athletes, leaders, brothers and sisters of color who have suffered. We come to this moment with humility, recognizing our need to learn and change. Thank you, Tim. Kindness and justice have been the foundation of Special Olympics from the very start. As athletes, volunteers, and supporters, we have lived this truth. We are prepared and eager to carry on, carry the message of kindness and justice forward. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Very powerful. Very powerful finish to our talks tonight. Excellent. And a great message to share with everybody who's on here tonight. Excellent. Really good job. So I wanted to thank again, uh, Jordan, Daniel, Elena, Bruce, Adam, Mary Ellen, Dustin, and Hannah for all your time and your efforts tonight to put a speech together. Thank you to everybody to who came to enjoy the speeches i really appreciate that you took your time on a tuesday uh, i'd like you to know that we're going to con uh, continue this series quarterly our next voices of champions talk will be tuesday may 11th uh 2021 uh we're still have, we still have openings for some speakers uh and we're certainly uh looking to have another eight to eight speakers for uh that event then uh i will quickly put my email address in the chat if anyone uh would like to get a hold of me and is interested so this is that's this is the commercial part of that uh, tonight. So <laughs> if you're interested, uh, please uh, do get a hold of me. Uh, I would I would love to hear from you. And thank you again to all the Special Olympics programs and the great training programs that Special Olympics has put together that brought everybody to this point. Uh, and we will see you all in May. Thank you, and we hope you have a good night.